Jenny and I, when we were younger, when, when we are, when at our current age, we have always sought out advice from our parents. We just have. Uh, I remember when we were younger and we, we were going to buy our first couch. Oh, this is such a big decision. And, you know, should we get the one that's made from the company in North Carolina or should we, you know, should, which furniture store should we go to? And mom, help us out. We called Jenny's mom. Mom, where should we buy the couch and how much should we pay for it? And when we bought a car and then when we had John Mark, you know, we would ask some parenting things, you know, how do you do this? How do you not do that? Um, and then we noticed that a lot of our friends didn't do that. And when it came to making decisions, when it came to purchasing something or a big life decision, they didn't want to call mom or dad. Um, and, and I always used to think, well, why is that? Is that because Jenny and I are just like clones from another world? Is it because our parents were somehow perfect? Wait, it is Mother's Day. Yes, mom, everyone was perfect. Okay, well, maybe not so perfect, perfect, but okay, right? I mean, what is that all about? Why is it that some adults have really good relationships with their parents and their moms and others don't. On this Mother's Day, isn't it true? There are some of you in this gym that can't wait to call your mom and you can't wait when you have those get-togethers. And then there are others, right? To call mom. Okay, and you get out the phone and you you feel the tension in your chest as it's dialing. Please don't be home. Please don't be home. I'll just leave a message. Happy Mother's Day. Beep. Okay. Or you're at the Hallmark store or the card section of Walmart or Kroger, and you're looking for the right card because you want to be honest. You don't want to just be a liar on Mother's Day, right? So you're going, that one's not working. And you you look at the funny ones, but you don't want to do a funny one. And really what you're looking for is a card that basically is, Mom, you sucked but I love you anyway. Happy Mother's Day. And they, you know, they don't sell those on Mother's Day, okay? So why is that? Why is it that some of us have really good relationships with our moms and others don't? Well, I want to talk about one thing today that parents can do, that moms can do, that actually drives away their kids and contributes to a breakdown in the relationship. Um, I have a friend, and, and I'll tell you how this works out. My friend This is what his mother does. And I wrote down the phrase that she gives him all the time so that I would remember right. You know what you should do? I'll call him Chris. You know what you should do, Chris? You should move across town. That house that you live in right now, that house isn't working for your family. You should move across town, Chris. That's what you should do. Chris, you know what you should do? You should change your hours. You need to go in and tell your boss, blah, 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 blah. And and there's always a list. Every time Chris talks with his mom, Chris, I read this article by, you know, John Roseman or James Dobson, and I've sent it to you. You should be getting it this week in the mail. Or Chris, I, I have a book you need to read. You really need to read this book, Chris. Okay? And, and Chris, Chris avoids his mom like the plague. In fact, Chris and his sister have a pack. When mom's phone number comes up on caller ID, they don't answer. I was like, how do you put up with your mom? He's like, we, it's real easy. We just don't talk to her. <laughs> like, what kind of relationship is that? Well, it's one that works. <laughs> okay? So, but shouldn't Chris obey his mom? I mean, doesn't his mom have a right to tell Chris what to do? Here's what you should do. I mean, she gave birth to him for crying out loud. Doesn't that give her the right to boss him around indefinitely? I mean, come on. Isn't that what the Bible says? 
Well, let's get into that, okay? Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And Paul writes some instructions to children and parents. So let's look at what the Bible says here, shall we? Okay? In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. We'll start off in there. Children. Oh, children. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. You know, the funny thing about these three verses is I don't see an expiration date, do you? It's not like children up to the age of 18 void were prohibited by law unless you're married earlier than 18, in which case you're exempted by this. Right? It doesn't, there's no expiration date. So, right? Okay, so if you're a kid... You're supposed to obey your parents forever and ever ad nauseum? Well, I want to suggest to you something about obedience in parenting, okay? And, and it's this. Obedience is the bottom rung of the parental ladder. If John Maxwell were to write a book on parenting, he never has, he would say in his big, deep, booming voice, parents... If you're manipulating and controlling your kids, it's the bottom level of relationship. It's, it's the absolute bottom level of the ladder. That's what he would say in his deep, booming voice. I know this firsthand. Making your kids obey because you're their parent and you can tell them what to do and you're bigger than them and you're going to force them to comply, it's the bottom level of parenting. I have three kids. This, I, I live this out. Maddie, who's four, I can so make her what to do. I can tell her what to do. I can boss her around. I can physically force her to comply. In fact, this week, she refused to have the three breakfasts that I put out before her. She refused to get dressed. She refused to get buckled in Carol Potter's car when Carol Potter picked her up. And I screamed in my grizzly bear voice, you will get in that seat or there will be death. And apparently, I had reduced her to tears so much that she was sobbing so hard at the next stop, Carol had to get her out and hold her. It's okay, Maddie. Daddy's not going to kill you today. <laughs> okay? But Maddie's four. I can do that. Jillian, I can sort of do that. I can make her do things, but what happens is, this is her expression, oh, you people, and then boom, she's off into her room, and the door gets slammed which is a metaphor for the relationship. <laughs> Boom. Okay? John Mark, who's 14, I can, let's be honest, I can't make him do anything. I mean, I can throw knobs and dials, incentives and punishments and all these kind of things to kind of channel him. But at 14, he's going to do what he wants to do. If he doesn't want to study, it ain't happening unless the consequences and other things in place. In fact, with my son, I like to, whenever the Priceline commercials come on, that's him. Priceline negotiator, because he's the king of negotiator. You know, like, John, I want you to, well, now let's, you know, Dad, what if, you know, and I think it could be, and, you know, I think this is how, and I read that, and blah, 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 blah. And there's always 50 reasons why, you know, he shouldn't have to comply. Um, and that's the way it works. But my goal, my goal with my kids is to actually develop relational influence with them so that when they're older, they actually care what I think and they actually seek me out for advice. Why? Because they want to please me with their life decisions. 
that kind of relationship is actually the kind of relationship that God wants to have with his adopted children. If you think about it, parenting like that is actually very eerily similar to the Christian walk. Right? Okay, think about this for a minute. Should you obey God? Yes, you should. Does God, are you better off obeying God? Why, yes, you certainly are. Is he going to make you obey him? Sometimes, right? Isn't that how that works? You see, God could have interfaced with you and me like my friend's mom. He could have showed up on the planet in the form of Jesus and said, hello, Pharisees, here's what you should do. Oh, you, here's what you should do. Here's what you should do, Mitch. You should. Here's what you should do, Max. You should. Here's what you should do, Bill. Here's what you should do, Jenny. I mean, he could interface with us primarily that way. And then all we would receive is condemnation. And then we would get angry and we wouldn't want to have anything to do with God, would we? And God knows that's how it works because that's how freedom works, okay? Let's look at the second part of this. Verse four, fathers, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Again, straightforward interpretation of this passage. Don't mistreat your kids. Bring them up in a godly way, disciplining them and instructing them in the ways of God so that they grow up knowing what God is like, knowing how grace works, and knowing how to live life in the Spirit. But anger... Anger, if you're astute in theology and emotions, anger's a gateway emotion. Anger is like the gateway emotion to all the bad things in life. Anger, left unchecked or uncontrolled or not dealt with, leads to bitterness. It leads to rebellion. It leads to all kinds of miserable things, which is why Paul admonishes dads, parents, not to provoke their kids to anger. I believe there's actually a thing that parents can do that provoke their kids to anger that, that meets the litmus test of this passage. And that is, as a parent, if you always parent and it never changes from an authoritarian control perspective, I'm the parent, you're the child, and I'm going to tell you what to do. And as long as you live in my house and think of all the other speeches that come into play... If that's how you do it when your kids are 15 or 20 or 30, I guarantee, like my friend Chris, when your number pops up on the caller ID, I mean, they're not going to pick up because there's not going to be any relational influence. Okay, so here's, here's what you and I need to do. If you're a parent and you've got kids, I want you to understand something. There is a pivot point somewhere along the way. And I don't know where that is. I can't tell you where it is. But up until that point, it's manipulation, control, sheer authority. Why? Because you're the parent. You're in charge. And then at some point after that, the relationship needs to change where a lot of the parenting, more and more of it comes through sheer influence rather than making them do ABC. And again, I can't tell you where that is. I don't know where it is. You're going to have to figure that out on your own. Uh, but at Generations, we actually want you as parents to become lifelong influencers over your children. That's something that we want. And, and influence is gained the same way. It, you gain it the same way with your kids as you would at work. You gain it the same way at work as you would with your neighbor. It's basic stuff. Are you loving them? Are you listening to them? Are you serving them? Are you treating them the way you would want to be treated? 
If the answer to those things is yes, there's a good chance that you're going to gain relational influence. You can't help but gain relational influence. If you're trying to control them, if you're trying to boss them around, if you're trying to always get them to do what you want all the time, guess what? It's rebellion city. It's just the way it works, okay? Um, I want to let you in on a, a, way, a few things that we want to change, some dials that we want to change at Generations over the next nine months to a year. In our kids' environment, like G-Town and the park, we, we're going to maintain our commitment to this virtue track, but we want our small group leaders and our teachers to begin weaving in those environments for kids this thing, and this thing is this. How do you discern... And how do you recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit? What's it like to hear God's voice and follow him? We want kids to grow up to become adults who are living their lives under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If you read Paul's letters, when Paul talks about how that works, he says that when you're walking in the Spirit, when you're living life under the influence of the Spirit you naturally produce the fruit of the Spirit, which are virtues, humility, peace, patience. It's the natural result of being influenced and allowing your life and your life decisions to be influenced by God. And we want to dial that up in the next few months, in the next year or more in those environments. We want kids to be, learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's how God wants it to be. We want them to want to live a life that pleases God. The second thing that we want to do is in our kid stuff environment, we're talking about a number of changes. We want to move from making it something passive to giving you as parents some real together moments. What would it be like if in the context of kid stuff, you actually were given a moment to pray with your kids? You're in the God's house on a Sunday in the same room for crying out loud. Why would we not leverage that and give you an opportunity? Pray as a family. What do you need to pray for this week? Or what if Every so often, we gave you parents the opportunity to really say something effective to your kids, a, a, a really effective praise moment. Moms, dads, we've been talking about forgiveness. And you know what? A strong woman, a strong man knows how to let go. They know it's wise sometimes to decide that somebody doesn't owe them anymore. Take a moment right now and talk to your kid about a time you saw them let go of something where they've been wronged and tell them how that's going to make them into a strong woman of God, a strong man of God, and how proud you are of that. What would that mean over the course of the year if moms and dads had three, four opportunities in God's house to say something meaningful like that? We want to make kids' stuff more interactive along those lines because we want you parents to get that kind of relational influence. And that's what we want to dial up at Generations. Well, here, here's some things where the rubber hits the road, so to speak, Okay. And I want to talk to those of you that are younger for a moment, okay? If you're younger, and as I'm talking about parenting and moms and this whole nine yards, you're not thinking about, you don't have kids, or your kids are young enough, you're thinking about your own relationship with your parents, uh, let me make a suggestion, all right? And here's the suggestion. What if you sat your mom and dad down sometime in the next week and said, you know what, what Max was talking about on Sunday, boy, that so hit where I am and what I'm feeling, and you know, I feel like a lot of times I'm under the thumb screws, da-da-da-da. Now, here's my qualification for those of you that are younger. You're on a freedom quest. You want more and more and more freedom. That's just the way life works, okay? 
but understand that with your parents, freedom and trust are connected. So if you've done a lot of things where you've burned trust and you've done things where your parents can't trust you, understand freedom is going to go away, and that's a natural consequence and result. Okay, so that's a, that's, a, that's a discerning question you have to ask yourself before you sit your parents down. But if the answer to that is, you know what, I, you know, I'm doing pretty good in the trust department, then sit them down and say, hey, mom, dad, let's, what would it take for this relationship to be more one of influence? Here's what I would like to see. What would you like to see in me? And start a conversation. Could mom or dad blow their stack? Sure. But is it worth the risk? Yeah. Wouldn't you like your relationship? If you feel like you're under the thumbscrews, wouldn't it be better to not be under the thumbscrews, so to speak? Wouldn't it be better to have your heart open to your mom and dad? So it's worth having that conversation. Um, and if you want pointers and, and how to go, go, go about it, email me, call me. I'll, happy to, I'll be happy to give you some questions and phrases. All right? For the rest of us, and that's those of us who are older, who have kids, all right? Here's the good news. It is never, never never too late to start earning influence. It's never too late. If you feel like your kids' hearts are already closed, it's not too late. It is not too late to start earning influence. And again, how do you earn? You love them. You love them the way Jesus loves people. You listen. You look for opportunities to serve. You treat them the way you would want to be treated, even though you're their parent. And you have a right to insist on things from time to time. Treat them the way you would want to be treated. And when you do those things, what you'll find is their hearts and their spirits open to you. And it gives you a pathway of influence. All right? Over time, they'll be seeking you out for advice. Isn't that what you want? Wouldn't you want it to be the case that when you're 60 or when you're 65, your kids actually want to call you or want to come home and actually care about what you think? and actually are wanting to make life decisions that please you and please God, isn't that a better way? Of course it is. And it's never too late to start down that path. Um, So again, today in a nutshell, I just wanted to suggest to you that uh, there is something that parents can do that drive their kids away. And And that thing is when we parent exclusively from authority and control and we never change. As parents... We have to move to the realm of influence because it's how God operates with us. And when we do that, we're modeling for our kids the kind of relationship that we want them to have with God. We want them to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit.